0: What's up, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button to help support some common sense news coverage and or if you want me to consensually assault your throat and let's just jump into it. Uh. You know, the first thing that we're gonna talk about today, and it's not super in the mainstream right now, but I do believe it's gonna get bigger, and bigger. Let's talk about why people are plastering Logan Paul's face up on walls and tons of people demanding he get the hell out of town. I'll have the independent journalist that's been covering this topic explain it for you. I told you that tensions are rising in Puerto Rico and here's another example. Flyers like these can be found in San Juan and they read, this is what our colonizers look like. This is written in a major highway in San Juan. And if you've been following my reporting, you know that there is backlash against tax breaks that are inviting wealthy people, mostly from the continental US to move to Puerto Rico. So essentially while Logan Paul is not the specific Problem, he represents the greater issue for a lot of people and he is a part of it. Or because the story ultimately boils down to wealthy investors are moving to Puerto Rico at record rates and it's causing serious issues for locals. With many of the mainlanders settling the island, doing so to take advantage of tax incentives that were created to attract outside money to Puerto Rico, which is climbing out of bankruptcy. And under the tax break law, resident investors must acquire residency and buy property in Puerto Rico within two years of moving to qualify for a reduction of income taxes on long-term capital gains, dividends, interest, as well as revenues from their services. Now, notably, this law has been in place in some fashion since 20- but the appeal of the tax breaks have increased significantly in recent years. Right After Hurricane Maria devastated the island in 2017, displacing thousands from their homes, housing prices dropped and investors moved in to swoop up the cheaper properties. And the number of applications from people trying to become resident investors has skyrocketed during the pandemic as more people moved to remote work. In fact, as of this past October, the island had received a record 1,349 applications in 2021. With the New York Times noting, while there are new settlers beyond just those who want tax breaks, it is the finance and tech investors who have formally applied for tax break status who have drawn the most attention with the island specifically attracting many cryptocurrency traders, but also other prominent names as well. And of course, among those, last February, you had Logan Paul announcing on his podcast that he was moving from Los Angeles to Puerto Rico. And while he claimed there that the tax breaks weren't his primary reason, he did cite them as one of the reasons. It's getting crazy here in California, you know, paying taxes. uh, (laughs) Everybody is leaving. And for for what? Because the potholes in the streets are not fixed. Homeless people. Homeless people everywhere. Um, A Darth of... uh, Employment, COVID not handled the right like I don't know. It just I don't. I don't, I, don't, I don't love it. And so with that, many people, including many, many locals, see Logan Paul moving to the island and buying a massive $13 million mansion as part of the big problem, rapid and severe gentrification. Right? This influx of resident investors snapping up houses has dramatically driven up rent and housing prices, forcing many of the people that lived there out of their homes, and in some cases, out of their towns entirely, as the real estate boom moves from the capital of San Juan to smaller towns. And it's not just that resident investors are moving to the island, many of them are also buying other residential properties that they either resell at higher prices or turn them into vacation rentals. And so not only does this turn, you know, what used to be regular neighborhoods into Airbnbs for wealthy tourists, it's also creating a housing shortage that makes it harder for residents who have been pushed out of their homes to afford new ones. Especially given that 43% of Puerto Ricans live under the federal poverty line. And what's absolutely insane is to make matters even worse. The over 3 million Puerto Ricans already living on the island do not get the same tax breaks that are causing all of this in the first place. Because in order for an investor to qualify for the tax breaks, they have to prove that they have not been a resident of Puerto Rico for at least 10 years prior. Which is why you have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Puerto Ricans looking to their government going, why are you incentivizing them to fuck us? With many pushing for the end of the tax breaks and for the resident investors to leave, you see in graffiti around the place saying, go home or go home gringo. Last month, we also saw protesters gathering in old San Juan to call for the tax breaks to end. And that's of course, in addition to a number of protests we've seen regarding this, also access to beach, there's, there's a whole situation going on. But as far as what the Puerto Rican government is going to do, as of right now, probably nothing. With Puerto Rico's governor, Pedro Pierre Luisi, having championed the policy and him seeming very unlikely to remove it with him telling times Last year, my stance has always been that statehood for Puerto Rico is the best option. And adding that until then the law is part of the ongoing effort to attract population and new investment. And so that's why with this, you do have some people saying, well, at least this may increase pressure to give Puerto Rico statehood, which the majority of the island has voted for multiple times, including most recently in 2020, but the power to do so ultimately resides in the hands of Congress. And, uh, you know, you watch this show. Uh, that's not happening with this Congress anytime soon. Ultimately, that's where we are. Now, you know the full situation as well as why you might see people on social media calling Logan Paul a colonizer. But with all of that said, I now do want to pass a question off to you. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? Whether it be Puerto Rico, the, the government, the, the people like Logan Paul and these Bitcoin investors. Let me know what you're thinking and why in those comments down below. And then let's talk about a story that starts with the question, what is the furthest you've ever gone for revenge? And it's, it's a rhetorical question. Stop typing. Why are you typing? This is a public website. Some of y'all are too comfortable. Say it with me. Self-incrimination, that's a bad thing. You don't want to do that. It's also part of the reason why we don't know the name of the guy that's actually at the center of this story. He hasn't given outlets his real name. He goes by PAX. To make it more fun for me, I'm gonna call him Perry. And the way the story goes is that Perry has his vendetta against North Korea and more specifically, North Korean hackers because he was targeted by those hackers likely due to his work as a security researcher. You know, that's not too shocking. For a while now, North Korea has carried out attacks against this group in the hopes of acquiring some of the more sophisticated hacking tools that researchers in the US have access to. While this specific hack did not amount to much because Perry was able to stop it, he was pissed off. Perry goes to US officials about the hacks. They end up just ignoring it. And so for a year, Perry just sits there and he simmers until ultimately deciding, fuck this, I'm gonna go digital John Wick. And he engages in his own war and attacks against North Korea over the last two weeks. In North Korea, they have very few websites, but they are key. They're things like news outlets, some government pages, buying tickets online for its airlines. yeah, all of those were taken down by Perry who saw that North Korean infrastructure was full of vulnerabilities that made them susceptible to DDoS attacks. Now, as far as the vulnerabilities in particular, we don't know because he won't tell because it appears that his North Korea fun is not over yet, but reportedly his attacks were so effective that for a bit, experts in the field thought that it was possibly a state-run operation. But also, I think a key thing in this story, right, it's not just like an angry guy who's exacting revenge, but rather Perry thinks that if you do not respond to stuff like this, it sends the wrong message, or as he told Wired, it felt like the right thing to do here. If they don't see we have teeth, it's just going to keep coming. Personally, that's something I can nod my head in approval with, so uh, Perry, you are our bamf. (laughs) of the day. But from that, I want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's show, Truebill. I think most of us could stand to save more and spend less, right, and if that sounds like you too, then you should check out Truebill. Truebill is an all-in-one personal finance platform that helps you manage subscriptions, lower bills, monitor your credit score, and build your savings all in one place. With their smart savings account, you can choose the amount and frequency, and Truebill automatically deposits savings into your smart savings account that you can withdraw from anytime. Also, another fantastic feature is their credit score monitoring, which alerts you to important events that impact your score while offering insights on ways to improve it. My personal favorite, Truebill subscription cancellation feature. It safely and securely identifies recurring charges and cancels unwanted subscriptions with just one tap. No need to go through that run around with a customer service. They do the work for you. And Truebill uses bank level encryption. It doesn't store your credentials nor sells your information to any third party. Gain control of your finances today through actionable insights into your spending habits. And to download Truebill for free, just head on over to truebill.com slash bill or simply click the link in the video description down below. And then let's talk about you looking slim thick, which is a sentence <laughs> I never thought I'd say out loud. Right, but what we're really talking about with this story today is the evolution of female body standards and how this negatively impacts women. And that is because a new study found that the new slim, thick body type has seriously affected the ways that women view themselves. So the study comes from York University in Canada and it examined how a group of 402 women responded to imagery of various ideal body types. Right, you have things like the thin type, think traditional runway and magazine models, especially those popularized in the 90s and 2000s. Then the fit type that you might see from fitness influencers. And then finally, slim, thick, which is kind of the major point of the study and is characterized as having a large butt and thighs and a small waist and flat stomach. I right? think Kylie Jenner or Kim Kardashian. With this study referring to these three as different, quote, body ideals. And while yes, revealing that, quote, comparison to body ideal imagery resulted in greater weight and appearance dissatisfaction and less overall body satisfaction, It specifically noted that those exposed to slim thick imagery experience more weight and appearance dissatisfaction and less body satisfaction than those in the thin ideal condition. So essentially all of these hit women negative, but slim thick hit worse. With a study going on to say it was concluded that drive to achieve body ideals is shifting to a slim thick body, which may be more detrimental to women's body image than thin ideal imagery. With researcher Sarah McComb telling Yahoo Canada, the thin ideal has long been identified as a threat to women's body image. And there's been a call for body image campaigns in the media to showcase a greater diversity of body types. But adding, however, even though the slim thick body type touts a larger frame, it is not a healthier alternative to the thin ideal for media consumers. With them noting that this physique can often only be attained via plastic surgery or very specific exercises that put muscles on specific parts of the body. And according to the independent, when it comes to plastic surgery, the Brazilian butt lift or BBL was the most popular cosmetic surgery last year, but as of late, it was also the most deadly. But despite this potential risk, this is the body type that more and more women are willing to get the procedure to have. Which is also why you had researchers like Jennifer Mills telling Yahoo, internalized pressure to have a slim, thick body type can lead to risky body modification practices such as waist trainers and plastic surgery. And adding the combination of the current business model of social media and the way humans naturally think and feel makes it hard for people to ignore all the images around them. For some vulnerable people, this is going to lead to mental health problems. And ultimately with a story like this, I mean, part of me is like, I don't know how to end it because I think when it comes to plastic surgery, it's a very you issue or it doesn't matter what other people think. Or does ever plastic surgery make you feel better, more confident, whatever. But then also try and think of why. Or because if it's just because of social media and the things that are being like touted to you as natural but they're very obviously not and it's it's just stuff that makes you hate yourself that, that's a reason to pump the brakes. Especially when it involves what has been referred to as one of the deadliest plastic surgeries. And also, side note, to the people getting plastic surgery and then touting it as just like, these are my gains in the gym and diet, please go fuck yourself and maybe jump off a cliff. For legal reasons, I'll say with a parachute, but accidents also happen. You all oh, that's half the fucking, that's more than half of most industries is making you hate yourself, so you need what other people are giving you. And side note, specifically when it comes to BBLs, Maybe also just like sit on that idea for a minute because it may be going away because a lot of the BBLs I end up seeing, usually on like a TikTok, they're bad, like clownish. Like if you ask one of those caricature artists on a boardwalk to like draw me with a big, like that kind of look. But also it's your fucking life, I'm not your daddy. And once again, when it comes to anything like this, it's a very personal journey. How about this? As your digital stepdaddy, I just I just want you to be okay. I don't want you seven years from now, like turning around, crying in the mirror, Jessica. Anyway, I guess that's the conclusion of this segment. White man uh, talking about women's bodies. And then in huge business news, let's talk about why Meta, Facebook's parent company, did a fantastic impression of Peloton's stock last night because it was so massive Mark Zuckerberg might have actually had an emotion and shed an oily tear from his animatronic face last night. The stock after market last night crashing nearly 25%, meaning that around $200 billion in market value just disappeared overnight. And as far as why this happened, it's because Facebook revealed in its quarterly earnings report yesterday that for the first time in its 18 year history, Facebook actually lost daily users, which while it's kind of a small number, they only lost about half a million, which is a lot, but not really when you consider that about 1.93 billion users log in a day, but it did spark concern because the affected markets were Latin America and Africa, which Facebook has been relying on for growth after America and Europe just stopped getting new users years ago. And the thing is, there's a lot more factors at play than just oversaturation in the market. They have what some would call the Fox News problem. They have a problem getting younger demographics. younger people flock into platforms like TikTok, and on top of that, Meta is still facing a lot of scrutiny from regulators around the globe, and that pressure might be finally catching up with them. And that's in addition to Facebook being all in on trying to force the Metaverse with its Facebook reality labs losing $3.3 billion in its most recent quarter, which personally I'm kind of okay with because kind of hoping that Facebook understands the metaverse and they're the ones that get it right. It's kind of like rooting for IOI and Ready Player One. But also it wasn't complete bad news for Facebook. Their other platforms like Instagram, WhatsApp, and Messenger continue to add some users. With Zuckerberg telling us in this exclusive interview that he's not worried about the losses. Great question, Philip. Last year was about putting a stake in the ground for where we are heading. This year is going to be about executing like a regular human person. With Zuckerberg also emphasizing that they're not going to abandon its core apps and that they're very focused on reels right now. Of course, Facebook's TikTok. Re-skin. But yeah, ultimately that's where things are now. And the question now I just proposed to you, and this is gonna be different depending on which platform you're watching this on. One, if you use Facebook, how much and what for? And two, what would you say are the kind of like, the top two social media services that you use? For me personally, these days I would say YouTube and TikTok. It's maybe even, even, especially since TikTok, the algorithm, like it's not feeding me dumb, childish bullshit. But yeah, let me know. And then let's talk about the massive weather problem right now, like we already knew this was gonna be bad when winter and ice warnings were issued to over 110 million people from New Mexico to Canada. And so far those The morning seemed to have been well, Place with Axios reporting this morning that over 5,500 flights scheduled for Thursday in the United States were canceled as of this morning. With Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport, one of the country's busiest hubs, having only one runway open shortly after noon. Meanwhile, we're also seeing reports that hundreds of thousands are without power right now because of this storm. But according to the tracking site, poweroutage.us, about 52,000 customers in Texas without power on Thursday, as well as 135,000 in Tennessee, mainly in Memphis, 22,000 in Arkansas. So obviously we're gonna have to keep our eyes on this whole situation, but there's also been a very specific focus on Texas and Texas governor, Greg Abbott, which makes sense. Of course, last year's winter storm, I think over 200 people died, millions were without power for days. And so since then, and as winter got closer and closer, you had people going, okay, but are we going to be safe this year? Which ultimately led to Abbott saying in late November. I can guarantee the lights will stay on. With him reportedly saying then, that his guarantee is backed by nearly a dozen measures he signed into law this year that makes the state's power grid more effective. But then we fast forward to this last Tuesday where Abbott was saying a different tune. No, no, one, no one can guarantee that there won't be a quote, Oh, good, yeah. But still, I do want to note that does not mean that everything is definitely guaranteed to be completely fucked, uh, just as bad as last year or even worse or anything like that. Because as reports have noted, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas CEO Brad Jones told the Texas Tribune that he expected to see electricity demand peak at record levels at early Friday, even surpassing that experience during last year's deadly winter storm. But adding that ERCOT had a much larger cushion of power available to the grid now and should cope. With reports going on to explain that a major factor in last year's widespread power outages during that cold snap was pre-existing shutdowns of natural gas plants, which I guess to summarize, theoretically things could get much worse because we don't know what's gonna happen until Friday when peak demand is gonna be hit. But it does appear you have Joan saying, we are prepped for this. And so hopefully for our brothers and sisters in Texas, that is true. But ultimately that is where that story and today's show ends. And so as always, thank you for watching, like, and hitting that subscribe button, joining the family for these daily dives into the news. I love your faces and I'll see you next time.